to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your free flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous Podcast on Twitter, follow the show at Strict Anonymous or follow me at Cartoon Therapy. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast, subscribe. And if you can, write a review. I had uh, two people write reviews for my show this week. Thank you so much for that. And both of them kind of alluded to the fact that they'd like to be on the show. So um, for them, as well as other people listening, if you want to be on my show, I'm always looking for people to call in. Send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. I like to talk to all kinds of people, people with problems, people with secret lives, people with interesting lives, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. You could look at the titles and think, oh, I just want to talk about sex, but that's not true. I like to talk about all kinds of things. Um, alcoholism or, you know, being a blazing drunk is always like an interesting topic for me because I'm like a sober person. I've been sober for, I think, 14, 15, 13 years, something like that. <laughs> I think it's 14 I, it's like hard to count at this point, but it's always something that I enjoy talking about. I think it's a very widespread problem. I just had a girl on, Alicia the Alcoholic, and now I have another girl on. Her name is Amber, you know, her fake name. Amber is an alcoholic too, and uh, she's very similar to Alicia. She's very young, and she feels that she has a problem with alcohol, and she definitely does. Um, she's taken things uh, pretty far for her young age for the you know like this girl hasn't really drank for that long and she's uh you know sort of drank a lot and had a lot of suffered a lot of consequences already because of her drinking and um she's recently quit um but she's just looking for help so i changed her voice a little bit so her voice sounds odd it's because she asked for voice to be changed um but you know for me like i said I like this topic because it's something that I personally went through and I think people will always be Googling looking for information because a lot of people maybe feel like they have a problem with drinking and they don't want to tell people about it or talk to anyone about it. So they go looking, you know, in private on their own for information of how to quit. So that's why I think this podcast is great for people to listen to if you're found this podcast because you have an issue with drinking. Uh, I think you'll find it really enjoyable. If you don't have an issue with drinking or any kind of sort of addiction, you'll still find it interesting because chances are you know somebody that does. <laughs> and uh, you could, you know, give them this advice. I think I give good advice on this kind of an issue because I've lived it. Um, but again, my advice is unprofessional, as I always say. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just going to get right back on. Oh, this is what I wanted to say because I was just editing the podcast and I re-listened to the whole thing. And I was giving her all this advice about talking to people. You have to talk to people about your problems. And like, you know, basically, I really believe that's what you have. And that's all you have if you're a sober person is like talking to people. But I forgot that like, I'm dealing with people who are in their 20s. And that's like the millennials. And like people that are younger don't really talk to people. It's not a part of their life. It's a very different world out there. And I forgot about that whole aspect of things. And I don't know, someone needs to create like a an app, like a talking app. <laughs> 
an app that forces you to talk. I don't know because people don't talk anymore just because of the like technology and everything. And trust me, I am not saying that I think that it's like a bad thing, technology and how things have changed. I love change and growth and stuff. Um, But I do think that the younger generation, one of the downfalls that comes out of having all the stuff that they have, which is like good stuff, is the fact that they can't cope with things because they don't have that uh, that thing, which is like talking to people because they don't do it. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not going to get that into it on my intro because I talked to her about like talking and how helpful that is uh, in her life on the podcast. But I just want to make a note that like, yeah, duh. Like when I was talking to her, I totally forgot that like young people don't talk to each other. <laughs> they text, they do all kinds of things. They don't really talk. So anyway, I don't know why I just said that I made this whole intro so long. But um, anyway, I'm going to get right back on with Amber. Or I'll be right back on with Amber. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone? To anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is strictly anonymous. Strictly anonymous. Uh, hey, Amber. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. You're on with Kathy. How you doing, Amber? <laughs> Amber I'm the good. alcoholic <laughs> or Amber yeah. the previous alcoholic I don't know I don't really know much about your story all I know is that you had wrote in and said that you wanted to be on the show because you have a alcohol problem so I don't really know where you're at in your issue like you know or have, have you quit drinking already like what's your deal with alcohol like let's get right into it yeah um I mean I did quit I'm still in the process it's kind of it's kind of fresh. Only a, I'm only two months now, so. Oh, so you're like too um, much sober, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying for to get sober for about over a year, but I'm, you know, kept relapsing, and now I got about two months. So in that, okay, so let like we get a little backstory. You, how old are you? I'm 23. Okay, and when did you start? When did you start drinking? I didn't start drinking at all till I was 18. So, okay, so, it all happened real, real quickly, yeah. And why did you like decide that you thought that you had to? Like, what happened? Was there something specific, or like, why did you think that you had an issue? So, at such a young age, it's so sort of smart to know. I mean, if you would have asked me, I quit drinking at when I was thirty-four. But if you would have asked me at your age, I would have been like, "Are you crazy? I'm fine." So, how did you know that you had a problem with it at such a young age? I guess because it. I mean, at first, you know, I was parties and stuff that people my age did, and it was fine. But um, once I started, like, kind of waking up in the morning and drinking, I'm not going anywhere. I'm drinking, you know, at work, at class, in the car. <laughs> I thought maybe, you know. And then I actually, um, the reason I quit initially was because I got a DUI. And um, so I thought, oh, it's a good time to take a break for a while. <laughs> and then... Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. so thought, okay, so literally from the time you're 18 to the 
three. Like, seriously, like, that would be someone's story for, like, 30 years, right? Like, oh, I was drinking, and then eventually I started drinking at work, and then I started to drink, you know, when I woke up, and then in my car, and then I got a DUI, and, you know, 20 years later, that person realized they have a problem. You were, like, on a fast track to your, a bottom. Like, you did all of that. <laughs> you did. You went from, like, zero to 100 in a very short time. I mean... You went from like just drinking casually with your friends to drinking like all the time in your car at work, like like immediately. Um, kind of. It kind of like at first it was better when I wasn't twenty one. You know, like nineteen twenty, it was sort of. I mean, the access wasn't as good, so mm-hmm. um, I couldn't keep asking my friends for more because they would have been like, "I think you got a problem." So I kind of was better, and then like kind of like the second I turned twenty one, I just kept buying it and you know I started kind of slowly like this is an easy class I'm gonna like drink a little or you know because I was in school then or like my job was mindless uh, uh-huh. so I was kind of like oh I'll drink a little on break no big deal and then it kind of like got more and more and like for a while I was sustaining it like kind of like a functioning like I was buzzed all the time but I was okay and then it kind of hit a point that like I couldn't reach that buzz anymore. So like I just kept drinking and then I would kind of like fall apart in like unfortunate situations and stuff. But what do you mean? Did anybody know, like, was this like your secret? Yeah, pretty much. Um, cause I lived in an apartment. Um, I had roommates, but, um, we didn't really, we had different schedules. So I kind of just like sat in my room, you know, even at work, I, I don't think people really knew cause they, Right. Where were you drinking at work? Would you like go out on your lunch break and drink or would you go into the bathroom or did you have a flask with you? Like, how were you drinking at work? Um, I would go to my car. Um, it was, um, it was a store. So I could kind of like, if, if I were like ringing a register, I was kind of free to roam around or I was getting carts or stuff. So I, I just always have a water bottle full of um, something in my car. Uh So I would just keep sipping it. Um, what was your drink of choice? Um, for financial reasons, and uh-huh. I would just drink gin because I'm. You could get a handle of gin, uh, this one crappy kind for nine ninety nine. So I would <laughs> right. just buy that handle like all the time, and I would go through a handle in like two days, and like how much is in a handle? When you say handles, that like those big jugs? Yeah, the ones that literally have a handle. I don't even. Oh, okay, right. So that's like a I jug, and you would go through that yeah. in two days. Yeah, like I had like a really weirdly high tolerance because when I uh, when I got my DUI, I I blew and my BAC was like point two four. Is that high? Like four, yeah, the legal limit's point oh eight. Okay, and you were two four, two point four. Yeah, so it's like uh, three times mm-hmm. the legal limit, but, but like I wasn't like falling or vomiting or anything. How did you like, get stopped by the cops? Like, were you? Do you remember? Like, were were you at a party? Were you by yourself when you were driving? Like, how did that DUI happen? I was by myself. I was leaving a Tinder date actually, mm-hmm. and I just was like parked kind of on the side of the street, and I went to back up, um, out of my spot, whatever, and I hit a uh, like a yield sign. <laughs> so. <laughs> and like instead of stopping I just kept backing up and it got stuck under my car so I pulled over it's kind then... of funny like if you're looking for a sign from like you know maybe Oprah would kind of see read into that <laughs> like you know <laughs> if, 
<laughs> I, t- I mean, I took it as a sign. So. Yeah, it's yield. <laughs> so wait, so some cop, I guess, was there like kind of close by watching this go down. And he was like, oh, God, like that because that was a pretty easy DUI. I mean, you weren't even on the road. Right. I was I didn't even start driving, really. I just backed <laughs> up and, I, and like a firefighter. I was right by a fire station. And right. He happened to watch me. So he called the cops and I was like, OK, so I just stood there and waited for the cops to get there. Oh, my God. You didn't take off. How did you know that the cops were on their way? Did the guy tell you? Yeah, oh, because you ran he, like, over the pr- thing and you couldn't go anyway. Right. Right. So I like pulled over. So right. Technically, I, it was a whole thing because he never saw me driving, but I clearly drove, so mm-hmm. I didn't bother to fight it. But yeah, so how long was your license taken away for? Um, only for three months. Uh huh. It was my first offense. Um, and now, and how I did got, you explain like, that to people? Well, at that point, yeah, that was rough. I kind of just bummed rides off of people for a while to, for work and stuff. I mean. My apartment was in a good location to walk a lot of places, but um, mm-hmm. I kind of just was like, played it off like a casual DUI, like I had a beer or two and then happened to get pulled over or something. Right. Like you, you know? made it seem like a bad luck, but you weren't really like, you still weren't copping to the fact that you had a problem, even though, let me ask you this, like on some level at that point, did you know that like your drinking was out of control considering you were drinking at work and doing all this stuff? Yeah. It's sort of like I was starting to realize it sometimes, but kind of like, you know, how you don't ever admit it Mm -hmm. to yourself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, looking back that on some level you did, it was registering in in you on some, right? Right. It was. And it was kind of like just too, like I couldn't, I didn't like thinking about not drinking. So I was just kind of ignoring it and keeping doing what I was doing and then. But what um, was it like? Why did you think? I mean, because I was a I was a hardcore drinker too, and I had to quit. But my drinking was different than yours. So, like, what was it about like that buzz that you needed at all? Like, because you needed to have that at all times, right? Like, what was life without it? Like, why was it so unbearable? Were you bored? Was it painful? Were you like like very uncomfortable in your own skin? Like, what do you think it was about? Like, you know being sober that you that was so painful for you that you needed to check out like 24 7 yeah i think like over a year of alcohol counseling trying to figure that out mm-hmm. um it's i i think a lot of it is um just social anxiety for sure because once i discovered alcohol i was like wow i'm this is awesome you know like everyone um and you know inhibitions are gone which I enjoyed, and then um, it was also just, like, depression, I think, to an extent, just sort of, like, I was unhappy with the way things were, but, like, if I was, like, drunk, I, like, didn't care. Yeah, totally. It kind of, like, took away It made you feel a little bit up. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then, like, you know how, like, when you come kind of down, like, when you're not drunk anymore, or, like, you wake up, Mm -hmm. and then you kind of, like, feel the the downside of it, mm-hmm. which is why I just like never stopped drinking. I was like, oh, I'm feeling down, and then I would just drink more. So and you like, would, so that's when you started drinking at your house, right? So that, like, is that where it started? Like, okay, I'll drink a little bit more when I get up just to take away that bad feeling. And then you'd be able to drink enough to kind of take away that feeling, but not enough to like impair you so that you could walk around and hang out with people and nobody knew that you were kind of buzzed. Right. That was what I was able to do for 
like a year. Uh-huh. So I was just kind of like, well, it's been like more outgoing. And Nobody smelled the alcohol on you because gin is kind of strong smelling. I don't know. Like oh, somebody I mean, came to vi- fix my windows the other day and I totally smelled alcohol on the guy, which I don't really care. But I'm saying like it's so strong, the smell sometimes. Like did you just, did anybody like ever say, hey, you reek like alcohol at like, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I did all the stuff. Like, I always had gum, so I was always chewing fresh pieces of gum. But, I mean, I can only do so much. Uh-huh. And I would also um, use a lot of hand sanitizer, so I'd be like, oh, you're smelling my hand sanitizer. Um, and then I think it was just so outrageous because I'd be, like, with a friend in class at, like, 9 a.m. or, like, at work at 7 a.m. So people were like, no way. Like, I'm obviously imagining that because I don't seem like the kind of person that has a drinking problem whatever uh-huh. that you know yeah, yeah so totally I think people probably were just like nah that's crazy and just kind of like right really even if they me. thought of uh, even if they thought it for a second they would just right. sort of rationalize it out because like there's no way you were the type that would be drinking i think i mentioned this on my episode with alicia the alcoholic that there was like this really great um 2020 i think it was with elizabeth vargas talking about how she was um uh a, a like a hardcore alcoholic and like when I first saw the episode that it was going to air I was like yeah whatever like how is she you know because I think she's like the kind of person that you would be like yeah she's so not the type um but she was doing it like really majorly you know what I mean like the way you were eventually it it transitioned to it, it took a long time for her to get to the place that you were at but what you know but she was out of control and she was doing it at all times and uh you know not the type of person you would think right and uh, right. that's why I think it's interesting to have, you know, people on my show that have problems with alcohol because a lot of times, you know, you don't, you think you have a picture in your mind or people think that they have an idea of what an alcoholic, quote unquote, you know, who that person is, right? But that person comes right. in all different shapes and sizes and personality, right? So it's, just, and actually people like you, the ones that people would never expect, it's almost like it could be worse because, Nobody expects it, so you could get away with it, so you could, like, function a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I would just sit in my car and dump, like, like boxes of wine or stuff into water bottles and just sit there and drink it. And, like, no one, like, it was so pathetic. Like, no one ever knew for the longest time. And you were able to drive, and so you were able to sort of teeter on that place where you could, like, were you a blackout drinker? I'm assuming not, right? Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Um, no, I mean, I wasn't, I was, well, oddly I was, but like, only in like the last six months of my, only what? Whole, 
toward the end of my drinking days, like the last six months, uh-huh. um, I would black out. Like, there were times I'd go to work and then go home and pass out and wake up and, like, not really remember work, but, like, I knew I went. <laughs> and that, that, yeah, that's really of, bad. Yeah, and that was kind of when I was like, There's no, like, people have to know. And, and then I'd just always be nervous to go back and... Uh, I don't know. But yeah, that's like, a scary most, feeling, right? I mean, that's when you it, really start to be afraid of like that this is a serious problem when you start to have those kind of thoughts. Those are those scary thoughts that when you wake up. I know that's what right. the thoughts that drove me to quit. It's when I started to wake up and be like, it was almost claustrophobic to think that I couldn't remember what happened. And I was a blackout drinker all my life, but there was a difference towards the end with the blacking out. I didn't, I couldn't trust what I was doing, what I was saying, you know, and uh, right. it was, I was, there was consequences to it because I was acting very inappropriately and it was like claustrophobic because I had like no control over myself, you know? I mean, for you yeah. and you were like walking around and, and this was for me, I was like in a bar scene, but you're like walking around in your regular life, like at work and at school, you know, half cocked yeah. out of your mind. So that must've been a really awful feeling waking up and not knowing what the fuck you did the day before or who knew or what they thought. Right. Right, yeah, it, it was like, it was just like terrifying to like go back to class or to go back to work. I was always like, I have no idea what happened. Yeah. And I got him surprised I slid by as long as I did. Yeah, because everyone's so self-absorbed. That's what people don't understand. We all think that everyone's like so focused on shit that we do and everyone's just focused on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Even if they're Apparently. focused on you for two seconds, like, you know, even if they noticed you were a blazing drunk, they thought about it for one second and they went back to thinking about themselves. Like, that's what I always try yeah. to remember because that's really the reality of it. But, you know, you were like, you were you, right? And you were focused on yourself and you knew that you, like, that's like when you have that, those scary feelings when you're waking up, like, what was it that changed that you were like, oh my God, I'm going to go? Like, how did you get it? When you say alcohol therapy, like, did you go into AA? Did you get a therapist? Like, what did you do? the first time you decided to quit? Because I know that you said you, for a whole year, you relapsed. Like, what was your bottoming out on that uh, when you first quit? Like, what happened that made you quit? And then what did you do when you quit? Um, well, there was two, like, I quit, um, like, sort of out of, because I had to, because they, like, took my license away, and I don't really look that old. So, um, I couldn't, I didn't drink for a while. And then, um, after my arrest. But then I started again. And the reason I, I quit um, that time, because um, I was at work and I drank um, two bottles of sake in my car over like a 20 minute break. <laughs> and then I was like, sorry, but it's like anything you could get your no. hands on, right? I mean, cause you're just like already like the gin and then you brought up wine and now you're drinking sake. I mean, like oh, yeah, it was I like know. obviously whatever kind of alcohol you could get your hands on, you're just drinking. That's like the true alcoholic. <laughs> right. And the thing with sake is like you can get it um, at the grocery store, but it's higher alcohol content than wine, which mm -hmm. is why I drank it. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I just like down that and then I, I was fine. And then it all of a sudden like hit me while I was working. Oh my God. At the time I worked that at, is what sake does store. to you. You could drink it for like an hour and then you stand up and you're like, holy shit. This is like, I'm wasted. Yeah. yeah so right. you're like in the middle of work and all of a sudden it hits you. Right. And like, I had a couple friends that were like, holy shit. Like, like you're not good right now. And they were, didn't want me to get in trouble. Uh huh. But they were like, I was like, 
unloading a truck of like skids with groceries on them. So like, <laughs> what am I really like? I can't. And so, um, it ended up being like a whole big scene, and I had to be like escorted out of the store. And you get and, like, fired. I didn't. I had had a really good relationship with my manager, mm-hmm. but. I so he didn't fire me, but it was very awkward working there. <laughs> this the, is a, this is a very this is a side note, but I'm gonna make people feel like shit that have got fired by saying this. But this is just like a side note thing that I find interesting. But this is like a perfect example of why it's true. Somebody once told me, and it's true that firing is always personal. It always is, even if they say it's not. Because people, like if people like you at your job, you could get away with murder and you won't get fired. It's like when you get fired, it's because they didn't fucking like you, okay? And and I've been fired, okay? So I'm not acting like, you know, I'm not putting other people down. I'm just saying that really is the truth of firing because look at this example. You were like wasted at work, right? But they obviously, because they liked you, they kept you on. Like probably people have been fired from that job that they were fucking assholes or people didn't like them and they did a lot less of a serious offense right like and they got fired but oh, you were yeah. like wasted at work and they didn't even fire you so that just goes to prove no. that like if you ever get fired from a job it is personal don't believe them if they say it's not <laughs> that means no, they cool. really don't they like it, it right yeah like they had every right to fire me like of I course they yeah, so but you're just, so they must have really like you. So they didn't even fire you, but you felt uncomfortable. You probably were a lot harder on yourself than they were because they probably all went back to it. They just thought you're young, who you know, you're drunk at work, like no big deal, probably, right? That's yeah, what I'm thinking. Think. They thought, you know, yeah. no one thinks like at 23. Like I would even dismiss a 23 year old if they were at work. Like I don't know that I would think, oh my god, that person has a problem. I mean, clearly you did. I would think maybe I don't know, you know. But I think maybe you blow it off a little bit more when it's somebody in their early 20s because you think, oh, they're just drinking, you know. But right. And it was like pretty early in the morning, so they might have been like, oh, she probably like went hard last night or something. I don't yes, know. you wake up drunk. I've done that. So, yeah, but you really <laughs> weren't. You were like drinking in your car. So nobody really knew the full extent, but you did. So once you're going back to work and you feel so uncomfortable, is that when you decided you need to stop? Um. Yeah, and it was kind of the whole thing was like, I don't know, I don't know like, it was in the store, and so, like, I made a whole scene, and there was, like, customers asking me questions, and I was, like, being an ass. Because, <laughs> like, all the stuff you want to say to customers, but you can't, I was, like, yelling at them. Oh, is this and when you were drunk, or this is when you quit? Yeah. Okay, this is that same when day? Was, yeah. Okay. And it, so the whole scene was just, like, like, once I sobered up, like, toward the end of that day, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about it, and I was just like, wow, like, <laughs> I can't keep doing this, because I keep, like, hitting what I think is a rock bottom, and then something else happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's like, what am I going to, like, wait till I run over someone? Like, <laughs> I needed to, I don't know. Yeah, that is scary. I mean, I moved into the city and it was like, it was so, I was so happy because I always drove drunk when I didn't live in the city. And I felt like it was like a really good thing because I was like either saving my life or a family's life because I, like, I would drive drunk all the time. Um, So, y- you know, you know, you knew you were smart enough because you live in a place where you have to drive all the time that you couldn't sustain it. Right. I could not. I, I was driving drunk all the time. I'm surprised I didn't get more than one DUI. So, right. Yeah. So that was pretty much when I decided. 
Right. So what did you do? What was the, what was the thing that you did though? Like, I mean, I know for me, like I went to an AA meeting because I didn't know how the hell I was going to, like, I didn't, it was like, I didn't know what to do. Right. And that's the only thing I knew to do was I went to an AA meeting. Some, I had friends that had gone. What did you do to, as the first step towards getting sober? Um, yeah, well, I was kind of like, I didn't have anyone I knew kind of in the same situation. So I was trying to figure out what to do. And I, um, I called, um, I don't know, it was like a statewide, um, kind of like a rehab house thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, they have a bunch, they happen to have one in my town. So I called them and, uh, um, I kind of just explained what my deal was and I was wondering what I should do. And so. They said that, like, I could do inpatient or outpatient rehab, and because um, my insurance apparently covered it. So, oh, that's I, great. Yeah, so I did outpatient because I like wasn't still wasn't all there, so I was like not ready to admit that I needed twenty eight day intensive. So I did the outpatient, and um, that was pretty much I was just going to do that. And, um, and let me ask you, was, was that also because you didn't want people to know? Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. I mean, how are you going to explain that you're going to live someplace for 28 days? Right. So like on some level, was that choice also because you didn't want to, you still weren't prepared to sort of admit to everybody else that you had this problem. Yeah, I uh-huh. think so. And I mean, I mean, I still don't from a lot of people just because it changes the way people like treat you and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. this way I could, I mean, I, and I had to work and stuff. So this mm-hmm. way I could, uh, it was, um, keep functioning every, uh, four nights a week. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, three hours at, you know, night. So it was doable. And, um, that's what I did. It was two months long. And, and it was probably a good call because through that I was introduced to a lot of other, um, like options of what they have mm-hmm. once, like once you finish that program, because I had no idea. Um, and they made, like forced us to go to AA meetings and got me into um, like my counselor was just like a like a therapist, and um, and so when I got out of that, I kind of just started going to AA. Uh-huh. But then I, you know, it's hard to get to AA because I don't really, like, despite this right now, like I don't usually talk about it, so. I kind of just go to A and sit in the back and then leave. Um, mm-hmm. But I find that just going, it helps a little bit, I guess. But I'm still struggling because it's so fresh. So Yeah, it takes a long like, time. Yeah. You know, so. listen, I went for a while. I never spoke when I went, like ever. It's just not my thing. I had a fear of like speaking in front of people. Like you would think not. I wouldn't have that because I like to talk so much, but it's not my scene to do that. So, I, But I would just go and I would listen. And I went for like a good six months. And I, I listened. It was great that it was available for me for that six months, but it was like too much what they expected. I couldn't sort of commit to uh, what they were asking me to commit to. Um, and so I sort of chose like an alternative route and I was very successful. I mean, I've been sober for, I think 14 years now. Um, and it totally worked for me. Um, I though, what I did when I stopped going to AA and even after I stopped going, I would go maybe a couple times a year here and there, you know, for a little while, but never the way that I was supposed to. 
um, is I was like doing hardcore therapy. Like I would go to a therapist because I have to say like what I always explain to people about addicts, especially people that are with addicts, um, that like when you take the drug away or the drink away or whatever it is that they're addicted to away, like that's not the problem. That was just the thing that was masking the problem. Like, you know, once you take that away, that's when all the problems come up. So some people that are like dating an addict or married to an addict, they think, oh, that person's got to stop doing coke or drinking or fucking people. And they think that that's all the problems are going to solve once that person stops doing that. But no, that's when your problems are going to start with that person because then everything's going to come up and you're going to see what the real issues are and why that person was sort of checking out to begin with, right? So that's when the really hard work comes. It's one thing, like the thing about quitting the drinking, that's just like the mechanical aspect of it, right? But like all the other stuff is the hard stuff, which is like what's going to come up for you when you really when you put down that alcohol and you're forced to stay like in reality 24 seven, I know for me, and this is very common with all people that quit drinking. It's like, I was just exhausted for like the mm-hmm. first six months to a year, just physically exhausted. Like I could sleep all day because I was not used to living in reality on volume 10 at 24 hours, seven days a week. Do you know what I mean? Like that was hard hard so I was so tired and that's like a weird thing that you only understand if you've ever quit and that's what other people are the same way too because what you don't realize is that you were checking out so much you weren't really fully present and when you're fully present in life it's like exhausting at first until you get used to it and then you're fine you know (laughs) but like I was like so exhausted you know and then AA people wanted me to come to AA like every day. And like, I was like, oh my God, like I just want to sleep, you know, but a lot, it took a long time for a lot of the stuff to come out. And then it took a long, long time of being totally sober for me to really feel my feet sort of get on the ground and get some stability in my life. Um, so there's a, it's a very long process and quitting the actual drinking or whatever it is, is like the easiest part of it because it's kind of like black and white, right? Like you just don't drink. I mean, it's hard, right? But the reason why it's, it becomes harder is because like whenever you sort of get to the place where you're going to be faced with the reasons why you drink to begin with, that's when the true test comes. It's like, do you drink when you're insecure? Well, then when you feel insecure, are you going to be able to like resist that urge? Do you drink when you feel like, you know, anxious about something? You know, it's like whatever, you know, what has been coming up for you in the three months that you've been not drinking? Um, it's, it's definitely exhausting. Like, like, if, and I work, you know, eight hour days and I find all I want to do when I have time off is sleep. Um, even, you know, and, and what I found also is kind of like every, like, it's always like crossing my mind when I just want to like not think about it and do my work. And I'm always thinking about like drinking or how like, it would be great if I could like go home and like it's still right there yeah and um, that yeah that's like they uh, they call it stinking thinking like there's a lot of like these terms in AA that are kind of good because they're true but like stinking thinking like when you like are like start to really have those thoughts like oh I wish I could go home if you allow for those thoughts in your brain like you eventually will do that you know and like it so it's like it's really good to try to like stop those thoughts dead in their, their track you know what i mean like just don't right. let yourself sort of fantasize or go 
to that place because the more you allow yourself to do that, the more you're going to wind up probably drinking again. Exactly. It's kind of like a ticking clock and like same with the ones who start kind of rationalizing stuff. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'll find, you know, I'll be thinking like, well, I won't drink for like the next year. And then I'll see see where I am. And I just keep, and I just have to be like, just stop. <laughs> like, well, because I you try like, to think I, of every other way. You try to think of every other solution than the one that really is the only solution, which is you just can't fucking drink, right? Right, yeah. Um. It's at just, all. Because for you, when you drink, it becomes an everyday, uh, you took it to a level that is hardcore. Like you definitely... 100% have a problem for sure yeah you know Alicia the alcoholic I didn't really know she was so young and she I don't know you know but with right. you because of like you were drinking at home you're drinking at work you got a DW like you really are somebody who should not drink and you really need to get like your your stuff together and be sober so that you could like because you're still so young that you could like sort of tend to that damaged part of yourself and and fix yourself and heal yourself so that you know you could live uh you know the rest of your life not just sober but like um you know healthy because if you continue to drink like you do like your life's going to go to shit. I mean, I don't know how, listen, some people are very functioning, you know, and how much you will be able to function doing it. Um, And, you know, some people could live a double life and be a blazing alcoholic for 20 years and still get married and have kids and be successful and all that stuff. But like, you're pretty, like, not that successful. Not that you're not highly functioning because you got a DUI, you got busted at work. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. You're not, like, getting away with anything, okay? Mm-mm, yeah. So and it was, like, sort of like, I, it, it's sort of like every time I have relapsed, like, I'm like, I'll just drink a little. Like, I literally, like, I can't stop. Like, everyone says, like, they can't stop with this coming. I'll just drink everything until I, like, am, like, unconscious. It's like, yeah, of course. I know. I was at the bar at like four, four o'clock yeah. in the morning and I would be drinking other people's drinks that were left over. Like, and I couldn't stop. Like, I would drink to the end. I always thought people who could drink one or two drinks when I went out with them were boring. I didn't realize that that was like normal. You know what I mean? I, I was know, like, I always thought, like, what's the point? It, that's ex- like, I literally yeah. was just going to say that, like, what's the point, you know? And <laughs> exactly. so when people say to me, Kathy, why don't you drink? I'm like, because, like, for me, drinking was about, like, getting drunk. It wasn't about, like, sort of savoring a glass of wine with some great pasta or, like, you know, this is like, right. or what all these other things that it was for other people. I didn't really like alcohol or the taste of it. It was more that I just needed to fucking check out and I love to be high. I love that feeling, you know? Um, so what's the point if I don't, if I'm not going to be getting completely wasted, uh, to me, it was like, there was no point, you know? Um, so for you, you can't, but like you need, what are you doing right now to keep yourself from drinking again? What do you do? Um, yeah, I mean, like it's been hard. Like I, I go to AA, but only like twice a week because, you know, and uh, I have one hour a week of um, one-on-one counseling. Okay. Um, so that's, well, like three hours a week spent. So I'm, what I've been doing a lot is kind of like putting myself in like a protected bubble because like I don't want to have any anxiety like socially or anything like that because that is a trigger because that's when I drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't want a lot of time to be like let my mind wander. So uh-huh. I'll just 
you know, I'll like binge watch a bunch of weird movies and stuff just so I'm not thinking about anything or like stressing myself out. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like dreading the point when I'm trying to like get my life back and actually like be a person again. But like, but you don't for have now, to dread like, that because listen, there's a time like you're doing the right. I think that that's really smart. Like I didn't go to any bars. I barely went out for the first year and I was fine not to go out. I was a lot older than you and I was like done with the rat race. And it was like kind of like relaxing to just like not be a part of that whole scene anymore, you know, and be because everything, yeah. my whole life was about like getting ready to go out, going out, talking about what happened the night before, talking about what's going to happen. Like, you know, everything. It was like exhausting. So it was like kind of like relaxing, but I took that whole year kind of off and I didn't go mm-hmm. like, you know, I didn't go into bars. I didn't do anything. I really stayed away and, and like for, to like quote unquote triggers, you know, so that I wouldn't be triggered and I didn't trust myself in the beginning. And that's always smart to be that way. Like that's okay to be that way. And I think that that's smart, you know, because you don't know what's going to trigger yourself and you're more susceptible in the beginning than you are like a year later, you know what I mean? And then you could gauge yourself. But in the beginning, you should stay away from all that stuff. And you don't have to dread when you're going to finally go back out there because you'll do that slowly and you'll do that when you're ready. And like if you're, the longer you stay not drinking, the more you'll trust yourself and feel solid in who you are and be kind of okay. And you take those kind of steps into like the real world without alcohol you know, one by one, you know what I mean? You won't just jump out and do everything. It's not going to happen that way. You know, it'll happen over time and you have to be uh, okay with that and not hard on yourself about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the way that it goes. And I mean, do you have any friends that you could talk to? Like, I, I really believe that because like what happens when you quit drinking or you know, and you become a sober person, you have no way of like getting, releasing things from yourself, right? Like, and so like for me, for the past 14 years, everything I've had to go through, I've had to go through without anything, without any vices, without checking out, right? So for me, the only thing I do and the only thing I have is to like, talk about my stuff when it's really bothering me it's and it's very therapeutic like that you know and so I would call up my friends and just like fucking talk my stuff out because that's what you have to do you can't sit and internalize it the worst thing for somebody like you to do is to like isolate and not be around people like you even if it's one person that you could find and I think maybe that's like what sponsorship is all about and I never had a sponsor it didn't work for me but like if you get a sponsor or Mm -hmm. have a friend and even if it's like somebody that you could confide in and that person could be the person that you just like you know sort of dump your shit on because you're going to need a different outlet and your only outlet is going to be talking about your stuff and releasing it because if you keep internalizing it and you keep the stuff to yourself you'll wind up drinking again because you won't be able to deal you know yeah that's my worry because I'm, I'm i always i've always internalized stuff you know so you've always been kind of what? like I just always internalize everything. That's like yeah, that's why you're drinking at work and in the closet, and uh, you know, right? You know, and seriously. So, like, I still haven't told. Like, I've kind of just been avoiding a lot of my friends because they're drinking, and I don't. I'm like not ready to share this part of me. Mm-hmm. Like, my close friends kind of like I've told, but um, that's good. They don't live around here, so I'm kind of like. You know, yeah, but can you I call those people? Do you talk to them a lot? Like those really good friends that actually know? Are they supportive? They are, and they always say like, 
you know, I'm here to talk if you need to. And I'm always and you like, really oh, should use it. Yeah. And I know. I just never do. I say, I yeah, clearly need something because, yeah. And it's not even about like calling them up when you're crying. Like, you know, it's just about like if something is like, it's like, what you have to learn is how to like deal with your feelings, the bad ones when they come up and, re- and, and figure out how to deal with them on your own. Right. And, 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 and eventually like you'll be fine, but like the, nobody could deal with problems by internalizing them and keeping like everybody has support. Everybody, you know, sort of has like a help. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, and maybe your problem right. why you always drink is because you have been, you know, putting unrealistic expectations on yourself to sort of do everything alone, you know, and handle everything alone by yourself. And that's, nobody does that. Everybody needs help at different times. You know, that's what like sort of relationships are about and family or friends, lovers, you know, whatever. And that's what people are there mm-hmm. for. And that's what you really need more than anything. And like I said, it's not just when you feel at your worst or even when you're just feeling like socially anxious. Say you're going someplace and you feel you're getting a little freaked out about it. That's when you call someone and be like, oh my God. And you're just so honest about your stuff and nobody's ever going to judge you. And you say, I'm getting nervous because blah, blah, blah. And you just and you just talk it out with somebody. That will make you feel a lot better. And that's what you just have to start to do. And once you start yeah. talking about your stuff and you're more honest with all these insecurities that come up for yourself, A, you're going to realize that it's not that weird and people don't think that you're such a loser. It's not that, like, because I think we hold a lot of that stuff inside of ourselves because we think we're the only one and we think something's wrong with us and we're so shameful about it. And there's really nothing that's that bad about it. And you will realize that other people feel the same way and it's very common and it's not that big of a deal, you know, and people aren't going to judge you the way you've been judging yourself about it, you know? So if you put your insecurities out there and talk about them to people and allow them to sort of help you through it, it will be a big help for you, you know, because all you've had is alcohol. That's been your crutch because you keep everything to yourself, you know? Now that you don't have alcohol, the best way never to go back to it is to find something to take its place. And what you need is just like, you know, people to talk to about your stuff, about these like little things that come up that you have no way of dealing with, but yet you're embarrassed to, to let people know, right? That's really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the longer I keep it all in, it like gets worse. And then I just kind of... Oh my God, I don't know. Keep- I, I think the best thing to do, like no matter what you do, the when you feel the most embarrassed, when you feel the most humiliated, when you feel the most scared, when you feel the most everything, the best thing to do is to say it out loud to somebody. It immediately makes you feel better. It really does. Yeah. What makes you feel worse is when you keep it in and you keep it to yourself. It's just awful. Just doing that is just reaffirming to yourself that there's something wrong with how you're feeling. And there is nothing wrong with feeling embarrassed or humiliated or nervous or afraid or any of those things. Everybody feels those things, but everyone feels so like self-conscious about it. You know what I mean? And they think that people are going to judge you. And what I have found in my life being sober for so long and having to put myself out there is that people like will feel more comfortable around you and they'll feel more comfortable to share their stuff with you. And you'll realize that people have a lot of the same things you have too. 
Um, because once you open up about it, other people will. Like nobody will judge you the way you think. Like your biggest fear of people sort of like you putting that out there and how people will react, it will never, it, it, it's it's not, it, that won't happen. Like you'll probably be surprised at how uh, helpful people are and how they won't look at it. And you'll realize that you were the one that was making it worse than yeah. anybody else. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah, it's like the whole your own you're your own worst critic thing. Yeah, you're it, right, and you're like you're carrying everything by your on your own, and you just can't do that. Nobody does. Okay, that's yeah. nobody does. It, that's not strength. The strength is like admitting your 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 stuff and and seeking help when you know that you need it and that's fine that's what like i said friends are for all those friends at home that really know and that tell you like call me if you need you they would love to be there for you and that's fine and if somebody acts like weird when you put something out there don't call them again find somebody else like trust me listen to my podcast everybody has a lot of shit going on like (laughs) nobody you know what i mean like nobody like the stuff that you have social anxiety all this like it's very common stuff i have to tell you it really is. I had panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Like I understand all that. I realized I drank a lot more when I was feeling insecure. Like if the guy I was dating was like looking at another girl, I would like do a shot. You know, it's like all these little things right. that I realized. Was like, oh my god, I'm like a, like a weakling. You know, <laughs> right, I yeah. had like no strength in me yet. It, people thought I was so strong. You know. And I had yep. to like, and that's what's so horrifying about hitting your bottom because you sort of see that part of yourself when maybe you've been like living this lie of being the strong person really together. And then you sort of come to terms with the fact of, oh my God, I, d- I don't have like there no strength. You know what I mean? Like I haven't learned right. any of that stuff. I have nothing. I'm so vulnerable and quote unquote weak and like the opposite of everything that I've been acting, you know, and where do you, where do you start with that? You know, and you start from the bottom, but I have to say the only way you'll ever get real strength is by remaining sober and learning how to be okay with all of those sort of feelings. I still to this day will be somebody that will be faced with getting a panic attack and getting an anxiety attack. Maybe there's a lot of things that will still be in my life. I will still be afraid of getting in an elevator, but I live in New York and I get in elevators all the time and I just fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? Like you will still maybe have those things, but you have to learn how to be okay with them and face them. And when you become that person that could do that, you will feel that's real strength and that's when your feet will get on the ground and you will feel like a solid person and you will trust yourself and you'll be able to go to bars and you'll be able to be around people that drink and you'll be completely fine and you're probably someone that maybe will never drink again and who cares you know I don't ever plan on drinking again there's a life outside of that you know it's like listen we're all dealt a deck a hand of cards you know and you just have to be realistic with what you have some people could drink many of most of my friends could drink and they're fine I can't and that's just the way that yeah. is. But you know what? I could eat a lot and I don't get fat. Like I so and other of my friends that can drink, they can't. Like we all have positive and negatives, you know? And you just have to be realistic about your shit, you know? And if you're sitting around wishing that you weren't that way, well then you're wasting your time because that's just who you are. That's how you're wired. So drinking is just not an option for you. That's how you have to look at it. And you have to look yeah. at it if you really want to be that strong person that you've been projecting to everybody else. You have to go about getting real strength. And real strength is going to be 
be facing all those things, all those moments where you feel really insecure and everything and being okay. You have to, what you have to remember, and this is what I didn't realize and what I learned being sober is that feelings are nothing to be afraid of. Like there were times in my early sobriety that I felt so uncomfortable inside of myself. I felt like, like I, I, I felt like in a straitjacket, like a crazy person, you know? And when I would get in those moments, I would make sure I didn't leave my house and I would stay in all day or for two days, however long it was until that passed because I didn't want to sabotage or do anything crazy. You know what I mean? And once yeah. I started to see and realize that those times came and went and some some days I would feel like really depressed for no reason and the next day I'd wake up and feel different. Once you start to realize that these feelings come and go and nothing stays the same, not your happiness, not your fear, nothing, you start to realize like it's okay and then it doesn't become, you're not so fatalistic. Like you don't feel scared and think like that's forever and you have to get rid of it. You start to realize, okay, I'm afraid right now or I feel insecure right now, but you know what, two hours from now or two weeks from now or tomorrow, I won't feel that way. So it's not that big of a deal. And you stop being so afraid of feelings because that's really what every addict is, is a person that's just like, doesn't like to feel things because on some level you think those feelings are the end all be all and they're not. And when you're fully done, like for me, I'm sober 14 years, I'm totally fine. Like I could have a zillion feelings and I just let them go. I feel them. I, 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 I could detach from them and know that it's not that big of a deal and it's going to pass. It's not, you know what I mean? But what you do, because yeah. I know, because I used to do it, is it becomes like you're everything. You think like I'm depressed and I'm going to be depressed forever and this is forever, you know? Um, and it's right. not. And so what you need to do in your sobriety is start to know, see that, you know, when you sit through a feeling and you're okay with it, that you don't get overcome by it. You don't die from it. You, you know, it doesn't last forever and you're fine. It's just a feeling. And that's what you have to tell yourself. It's no big deal. It, whether you're afraid, insecure, feel terrible about yourself, like it's just a feeling and it will pass. And that's the truth. Um, and you yeah. just have to be sober for a long time to really realize that. So you have to, you know, you have to, you ha it's like practicing. Like, I really believe that when you become sober, you go back to whatever age it was emotionally that you like, you know, sort of picked up whatever it was that you were checking out from. So I don't, you know, so it's like learning everything all over again, you know? So you yeah, have to learn how to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. Because it was so sort of just like, Learn, it is like learning because it was like going from when I woke up to when I went just anytime I was awake I was drunk so yeah. everything is like new and like I everything I feel seems like crazy uh -huh. and there's like and I always escaped everything. Even if it was good, I feel like I just didn't see. I was just so good at being numb and I was like, okay with that. Right, because so maybe just, even feeling good, like everything is very intensified for you. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of addicts are the type of people where everything is very like sort of intense right and maybe it almost yeah. feels like too much so you have to check out but you know um so maybe even like when you felt good it was like sort of overwhelming and then you had to like take that down a notch too because you just couldn't deal right right I think, yeah and then if, and then i kind of get stuck in like if i'm trying to like confront everything you know feel how i feel should mm -hmm. i you know i don't know if i should dwell too much on 
anything that happened that I'm like ashamed of from those days or should I just like yeah yeah no 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 um <laughs> like write it out I was a you know people don't write and I don't even write now now that there's the fucking internet and all this stuff I don't write anymore so I don't right. know if you'll be able to because I can't even do it. I was a journal person. I wrote in a journal. So when I felt crazy about something or what, I would just write and I would write my stuff out. And like the more I wrote, like I would come to, like I would like figure stuff out. I would feel so good after I wrote. So like I don't, you know, and like if you told me to do that now, I wouldn't know how to do it because like the, like I said, the internet and everything, like nobody writes anymore. But like when you feel that way, like you have to do something to it. I feel like I'm losing track. Like what did you just say? <laughs> it's about like, no, yeah, cause say, I wanna, I'm going to cut this out. What did you just say before? Why did I lose track? Well, I was just saying like in terms of like how to deal with everything that I feel now, like should I... Like, because there's obviously stuff that happened in the in the past <clears throat> few years of like me drinking. Oh, the shameful! Yeah, like if I were you, yeah. I would I would write it out. I would face it and face it until it just didn't matter anymore. Like I said, sweeping things under the table or pretending like it didn't exist only m- makes it more shameful. Do you know what I mean? Like to really yeah. face. I but I don't know. Like I mean, you have to like. Like, that's where therapy will be really good. You have a therapist, right? I do. Yeah, I think you should take those moments and those times and those things that you feel really horrible about and you should talk them out in therapy because, you know, sometimes we do things when we're drinking that aren't really us and, like, you have to forgive yourself for things like that and and you have to know that you did that because you were drinking. That's not who you are, right? And you don't have to define yourself. Right. Of that, some some things maybe it's good to face because you could realize maybe it wasn't that bad and you could forgive yourself and go on. I don't know because I don't know the specifics and like you know, but I really think that um you should take those things into therapy. I do know in AA they have those steps which I never did, but my friends who were big into AA would always say, Kathy, the reason why you don't need to go to AA and you're so successful is because you kind of are like doing AA stuff on your own, right? Like I would write in my journal. I would talk to people. Like I did all the things that I think that they tell you in AA. I also read a lot of the AA books. Like there's a lot of really good books out there that I think will really help you. And I think a lot, the other thing about those AA meetings where you sit in the back, it's really good to hear other people's stories because it makes makes you not feel as bad about the things that you're ashamed of. Like, I mean, for me, I slept around a lot. So I had a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And I know for me, it was listening to other women in AA talk about their stuff that it made me realize. And then I have to say, the longer that you're sober and the more you don't drink and you don't check out, the more you're going to figure out who you really are. And it's going to be someone completely different than the person that you were when you were drinking. Do you know what I mean? Like, I realized I was like the opposite of who I was when I was drinking. For some reason, I was going out there and I was putting myself out there as this person that was completely not me. And it was to hide who I really was. And once I stayed sober for long enough and could be really who I was, I wasn't any of those things, you know? So I think that you have to 
you know, figure out who you are without the alcohol. And then once you do, probably those things that you feel really uncomfortable about, you'll realize that wasn't really a part of who you were. It was because you were drinking and it was just mistakes that you made and you'd be able to get over it. But for now, I think maybe, you know, getting a sponsor in AA that could talk through those things with you or like a therapist that could talk through those things with you, I think maybe they could help because I think what your go-to thing is always to just like either live in denial, check out or sweep it under the table or internalize. And I think, you know, doing that in any way for you is not good because that's like the worst thing. You know, that's what you do. That's how you deal. And that's not a good coping mechanism. It doesn't work, obviously. Right. Right. Yep. So I just I just kind of find different ways to distract myself that aren't alcohol. It's really not. I mean, it's helpful to keep me from drinking, but it's not helping the actual problem. No, it's not. It's keeping you. Like I said, there's that, that's like a smart thing to do, but you still have to think of other solutions to, for the bigger problems, right? Which yeah, are yeah. you're isolating, you're keeping everything inside, you're being you know, afraid to really be who you are around other people, you have to start doing things like that. So it's a matter of like making yourself feel uncomfortable, you know, but anything's going to be better than going back to drinking. Because like I said, you're not really successful at drinking. (laughs) And and I just so you know, like you should consider yourself lucky. Because Like if you could get away with it, you'd still be doing it and you might do it longer. And even if you have a relapse, you'll probably wind up like, I don't know. You're just like, you went from zero to a hundred really quickly and you got like pretty busted and you had pretty bad things happen really fast too. And in a way, I think that you're lucky because it forced a bottom on you and it forced you to face things about yourself. Um, I think that people that are highly functioning and could get away with it for a long time are actually fair worse because they don't have a reason to quit, you know? So in a weird way, you're lucky. It's just, it's just hard getting through those first couple of years. And it takes a long time. In one year, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so different. In two years, in three, in 10 years, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so much better. Every year you do feel better. And I always said to people like quitting drinking to me made such a change in my life. It was like going from living in a room that was pitch black to someone turned on the lights. Like it really is that drastic of a change. Nothing changed me more completely than that. It was the best thing. It is the best thing that you could do for yourself. But it takes time. It really it's does. Like, yeah. Like, it's, I, like, I love it, but it's just like the hardest thing that I've ever done. So It's, it's really, like, really hard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, but it will be, it's like working out. Like, it's like, yeah, it's really hard, but like, you, it does benefit you. Like, you do, your body looks better and you feel better. Like, this is not yeah. for nothing. You will actually see results. They'll be subtle. Sometimes it'll just be a wave of a feeling that you never felt before. I remember the first time I started to feel like I really, like, liked myself. Like I remember being out with somebody or, and I said to somebody like, why do I like people more? I'm like, you know, he's like, because you like yourself more. You're not caught. You're not looking at other people anymore to sort of not pay attention to yourself because you're focused on yourself. I forget what it was, but it was very profound. So you'll have like these weird moments. 
um, where you realize that there's changes that are happening. And then over time, you'll look back and you'll feel stronger and stronger and more solid, you know, and you'll think you feel so solid at two years. And then, you know, six years out, you'd be like, oh, my God, like, I'm even better than that. And it just gets better and better. But you need you know, you need for that time to go to, to happen and you need to remain completely sober and you need to do whatever it is to find strength in yourself, real strength. And that is arming yourself with like, you know, whether it's one person or two people that you could talk to some good AA meetings, some good therapy and, uh, some good books that you could read about people like, you know, so you're still not totally distracting yourself, but reading about other people's lives that really helped. Like there was a lot of quitting drinking books that were really good, you know, read up on that stuff and take some time off from regular life so that you won't be triggered. But next time you're feeling like you're going to be triggered and you have that weirdo fantasy about alcohol, call up one of your friends and talk about how you're feeling like seriously and see how that goes for you. Just try it out. It doesn't have to be like I'm doing this forever. Just try it out. You know, you have to start trying other things because like I said, alcohol can't be an option. So what is your other options? You know, you're going to need something because isolating, doing things on your own will never work. It just won't. No. No. Like I said, nobody does that. Nobody's totally alone. It's just that's not real strength. Real strength is being able to be who you are in front of other people, revealing your insecurities and knowing that other people will totally accept you. Yep. Like yeah. for real. Um, yep. It's, yeah. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say like, it's just so like, it's, it's just crazy how different the, your perspective is after you quit. And mm-hmm. like of myself and of everyone else. So it's just kind of like, I just have to, you know, instead of, keeping it inside like I think just getting it out there because Uh I know if I don't like I know I'm gonna end up back there so I'm just (laughs) oh you will I'm like in a limbo of like trying to figure out what to do next because I'm still like you know I'm motivated but you have to be more honest you have to really be more honest about it you have to be more open about it you have to be more honest with yourself and people around you you have to like I said seek support because you will go back to drinking when you start saying that you you have these fantasies and everything like it's just not good like that's like a recipe for disaster and you you know you've gone three months already like if you went back then you'd have to start all over again like just to keep at it like you will be rewarded it just will be really hard it is really hard but it's equally as rewarded I remember there was like this really great Metallica um documentary they were filming uh them in the studio for this documentary i forget the name of it but i love documentaries and metallica was great i grew up with them and and they um the lead singer got sober through this documentary it wound up really being interesting that this happened while they were filming and i remember him saying like you know when he got sober it was like going from like living life at volume three to volume ten and it that is really true like being sober is great like i swear to you it really is like it, it really is different and it really does make life better after a while, you know, so you just, but you just have to keep up with it to, to really, you know, get those rewards and your life, you will get more in your life through being sober than you ever will by being a drunk. Like you will lose out on a lot of things in your life 
if you continue drinking. If you stay like sober now at your young age, your whole life, you'll be a lot more successful. Like for real. But if you waste the next 10 years of your drinking, you're just going to be that behind. I didn't become, I was like emotionally 15 at 34 because that's when I stopped drinking. You know, it took me so long because it takes a long time to get your feet on the ground. Like it took me a long time to be able to have a baby and all the things that I have now. It took so long because I had been drinking and checking out and just like not really dealing with my life until I was 34. You're doing it now at 23. So the sooner you fucking face that shit, the more you're going to be able to have a full life and have all the things that you deserve in your life. But you won't have those things if you're drinking the way that you do. You will not. Right. So um, you have to quit. I mean, you have to stay quit. I mean, you quit, but you have to stay. Yeah. You know? And you have to find those people, like I said. Maybe you need to get a sponsor at AA um, and start trying to, you know, have, like, your friends help you. Like I said, when you're just having your moments, you're just going to talk it out because that's all you have now is just to talk. And that's all I have, and that has gotten me through everything in the last 14 years. In the last 14 years, I've been through a lot of shit. Like all the shit that you go through in life that most people would have like drank or smoked weed or not been able to deal with. I have dealt with every single thing completely sober and fine. And because what I do is I call people up and I talk to them and I and I make them listen to me until I could get a grip and move on. And that's just the way that it goes. And I think that that's healthy. Yep. And it will help you. You do. Everybody has it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's going to be your outlet, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's that's your deal. So if I were you, I'd go uh, make sure you continue to go to AA until you have like some other thing that is working for you. I think that that helps. And um, keep going to therapy. And if you could go more than once, you know, do it. Yeah. And start, you know, getting into some of that stuff with your therapist. I mean, I don't know how deep you go in therapy, but all that shameful stuff that you feel horrified about, like, you know, talk about that. Yeah. Seriously. Gotta get it out. You have to, yeah. And then be yeah. more honest with people. Start letting people know your deal. Yeah. For real. Who cares what they think? Ten years from now, half of them will have the same problem. They'll be losers and you'll be fine. <laughs> probably true you know what I mean don't worry about it just be honest (laughs) and keep me posted I want to know if in three months you're still sober six months mark it's three months now right yeah okay Alicia I was thinking of calling you Alicia because I've had like you know the other girl she was similar too she was young too I wonder if you guys lived in the same place you guys could have been friends I think it's hard when you're young you quit drinking you know I know yeah yeah, that's why A is good. Maybe you can meet some friends that are like around your age that, you know, are the same. I don't know. I always found AA people to be a little bit, mm, I don't know. Pushy. What? A lot of times they're pushy. They want you to do all this stuff and you're just kind of like. Well, I just found I, it to be like, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't. I found it to be like the blind lead, leading the blind. I felt like my friends that didn't have any problems or problems with alcohol were much more helpful to me because they were like more of an example of who I wanted to be like and they were like I don't know but that's like very judgmental for me to say um, wherever you're going to find those solid people to help you that's what you you just need some you know people to help you that are solid and then you need to people that are around you that you could look at and uh, they could understand you you know you need that whole community of people around you that are a support system and a, right. and a good therapist. So, you know, 
and uh, and your willpower. It's not fucking drink. Right. It's not an option, Amber. Not anymore. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Makes sense. Thank you. Okay. I hope I was helpful. I don't know. I love talking to especially women that quit drinking because like this is something that I did and I was successful and I totally know what you're going through and I'm so glad I'm not you and have to go back and do it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it is really hard, but you're already three months into it. Like seriously, that's good. Just keep moving forward and you're going to be good yeah. and it's all going to pay off and you're just going to be, it's really the best thing you've ever done for yourself. It's really good. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. It is. I swear to you. It is. That's one thing I could say for sure. Drinking is not good for you. It will lead to just more trouble. Like you'll eventually going to have to quit drinking eventually. So whether you do it now, right. 10 years from now, you know, and it's going to be a right. lot worse if you're having to do it when you're 40. Okay. Then when you're 23, right. you don't have the consequences that you're good, that you could have when you're older. You know, you have a lot more to lose when you're older than you do right now. So, you know, you didn't even right. lose your job. You barely got a DWI. Like this is the, you know, this is not so bad, but it would, exactly. your consequences would be a lot worse next time. So if I were you, I'd take this out and stick with it. So you don't have to face another bottom because some people's bottoms are a lot harsher. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I'm lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. Like prolonged misery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, stay quit and keep me posted and good luck. Thank you. Will do. All right. Thanks for calling in. I'll change your voice. Okay. All right. All right. Bye, Amber. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.